The following stories that you are about to hear are true as true can be. Viewer discretion is advised. Guests on CUP Tales do not necessarily reflect those of the Lost Souls or the Vibes Broadcast Network. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to CUP Tales. I have some really good stories for you tonight, but the first one I want to start with is the story of Barney and Betty Hill. Um, Barney and Betty Hill were an American couple who claimed they were abducted by aliens in a rural portion of the state in New Hampshire. It was roughly around September 19th, uh, 1961. It was the first widely publicized report of an alien abduction in the U.S. So I'm just going to read through this story here, just so I don't miss any information. So, according to a variety of reports... Given by the Hills, the alleged UFO sighting appeared on September 19, 1961, around 10.30 p.m. The Hills were driving back to Portsmouth from a vacation in Niagara Falls and Montreal, just south of New Hampshire. Betty claimed to have observed a bright point of light in the sky that moved from below the moon and the planet Jupiter. While Barney navigated the road that they were on, Betty decided that she was observing a falling star, only it moved upwards. Since it moved in strange directions and it seemed to get bigger and brighter, Betty urged Barney to stop the car so they could get out and have a look at it. Um, Barney stopped um, near an area there that he could pull off. Betty, now, has taken out a pair of binoculars, and she can see some strangely shaped craft flashing multicolored lights, and they travel across the sky. Because her sister and several years earlier had said that she had seen a flying saucer, like, quote, end quote, Betty thought it might be what she was observing. Through the binoculars, um, Betty's now given them to Barney. He observes what he believes to be a commercial airliner traveling toward um, another area on its way to Montreal. But he changed his mind because was without looking, as if it had turned the aircraft suddenly 
dropped down and it changed its direction. This observation caused Barney to realize that this was no plane. They quickly returned to their vehicle and drove who knows how far, right? The Hills claimed that they continued driving on this isolated road, moving very slowly in order to observe the object as it came even closer. At one point, the object even flew above a restaurant and signal tower on top of um, a nearby mountain and came out near, um, I guess, second, I don't know if you'd call it like a second hillside or a second mountain face. But Betty states that it was at least one and a half times the length of the cliff profile of that area, which was roughly 40 feet or would, they, would that be around like 11, 13 meters long? And that it seemed to be rotating. Now I wonder if like rotating is like it's, so it's not just hovering, it's it's staying in one position and spinning in a circle. I guess it's, that's what she was trying to describe. Uh, the couple watched as this craft moved all over, basically. Uh, bounced back and forth, jumped up and down. It, there was a constant, it was constantly moving, it was never standing still. I said roughly about a mile south of where they were, the object rapidly um, descended, so it came down towards their vehicle, causing Barney to stop in the middle of this, this highway, this desolate road that they were on. The huge silent craft hovered above them roughly a hundred feet in the air. That's about ten stories. That's not super high in the air when you think of it that way. And it filled the field next to them uh, with light. Um, it reminded um, it says here it reminded Barney of a huge pancake. Carrying his pistol in his pocket, he stepped away from the vehicle and moved closer to the object. Using his binoculars again, Barney claimed to have seen about 8 to 11, wow, humanoid figures who were peering out of the craft's windows, seeming to look at him in unison. All but one figure moved to what appeared to be a panel on the rear wall of the hallway that encircled the front portion of the craft. The one remaining figure continued to look at Barney and communicated a message telling him to stay where you are and keep looking. Wow, that is intense. Barney had a recollection of observing these humanoid forms wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps red lights on what appeared to be bat wing fins to telescope out of the sides of the craft and a long structure descended from the bottom of the craft. The silent craft approached to what Barney estimated was within 50 to 80 feet overhead and 300 feet away from him. So roughly 30 stories away from him. 
Barney reported this to the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. The investigator's name was Walter Webb. That the beings were somehow not human. Barney, quote, tore the binoculars away from his eyes and ran back to his car. In a near hysterical state, he told Betty, they're going to capture us. He saw the object again, shift its location to directly above the vehicle. He drove away at a high speed, telling Betty to look for the object. She rolled down the window and looked up. Almost immediately, the hills heard a rhythmic series of beeping or buzzing sounds, which they said seemed to bounce off the trunk of their vehicle. The car vibrated, and a tingling sensation passed through the hills' bodies. The hills said that they then experienced the onset of an altered state of consciousness that left their minds dulled or numbed. A second series of beeping or even buzzing sounds returned the couple to full consciousness. They found that they had traveled nearly 35 miles, but had only vague, spotty memories of this section of the road. They recalled making a sudden but unplanned turn, encountering a roadblock and observing a fiery orb in the road. Now, this next section of their story, it talks about um, what happens after they get home. So, sorry I've been reading a lot of this, but I want to get these this story correct. I didn't want to try and remember this and miss any of the details. So here we have, arriving home at about dawn, the hills assert that they had some odd sensations and impulses they could not readily explain. Betty insisted their luggage be kept near the back door, rather than in the main part of the house. Their watches would never work again. Barney said that the leather strap for the binoculars was torn though he could not recall it tearing. The toes of his best dress shoes were scraped. Barney says he was compelled to examine himself in the bathroom, his private areas, but he did not find anything unusual. They took long showers to remove any possible contamination, and each drew a picture of what they had observed. Completely confused at this point, the Hills say that they tried to reconstruct the chronology of these events as they witnessed this craft, this unidentified flying object, and drove home. But immediately after they heard the buzzing sounds, their memories became incomplete and fragmented. After sleeping for a few hours, Betty awoke and placed the shoes and clothing she had worn during the drive into her closet. Observing that the dress was torn at the hem, zipper, and lining, later, when she retrieved the items from her closet, she noted a pinkish powder on her dress. She hung the dress on her clothesline, and the pink powder blew away, but the dress was irreparably damaged. 
she could never wear it again. So she threw it away, but then changed her mind, retrieving the dress and hanging it in her closet. Over the years, five separate laboratories have conducted chemical and forensic analysis on this dress. There were shiny concentric circles on their car's trunk that had not been there the previous day. Betty and Barney experimented with a compass, observing that when they moved it close to the spots, the needle would whirl rapidly. But when they moved it a few inches away from the shiny spots, it would drop down. Now, it has the initial report that they give to um, NICAP, or um, the U.S. Air Force, but it's basically what we've already discussed. So we will move on to Betty's dreams. So roughly 10 days after the UFO encounter, Betty began having a series of vivid, vivid dreams. They continued for five nights in a row, but never in her memory had she recalled dreams in such detail and intensity. But they stopped abruptly after five nights, and they never came back to her again. She never had those dreams again. They occupied her thoughts during the day. Man, I can only imagine. When she finally did mention them to Barney, he was sympathetic. But he wasn't super concerned. And they stopped talking about it. They basically were just like, we're done with this. I'm done. Let's not even talk about it anymore. So Betty did not mention them to Barney again. But in the dreams, Betty, Barney, and the men that they noticed walked up a ramp into a disc-shaped craft of a metal appearance. Once inside, Barney and Betty were then separated. She protested and was told by a man she called her her quote, the leader, that if she and Barney were examined together, it would take much longer to conduct the, conduct the exams. She and Barney were then taken to separate rooms. Betty then dreamt that a new man, similar to the others, entered to conduct her exam with the leader. Betty called this new man the examiner and said he had a pleasant, calm manner though the leader and the examiner spoke to her in English. The examiner's command of the language seemed imperfect, and she had difficulty understanding him. The examiner told Betty that he would conduct a few tests to note the differences between humans and the craft's occupants. He seated her on a chair, and a bright light was shown on her. The man cut off a lock of Betty's hair. He examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throat, and hands. He saved trimmings from her fingernails. He examined her legs, feet, navel, which caused Betty agonizing pain. Whereupon the leader waved his hand in front of her eyes, and the pain vanished. The examiner left the room, and Betty engaged in conversation with the leader. She picked up a book with rows of strange symbols that the leader said she could take home with her. She also asked from where he came.
and he pulled down an instructional map dotted with stars. In Benny's dream account, the men began escorting the hills from the ship when a disagreement broke out. The leader then informed Betty that she couldn't keep the book, stating that they had decided that the other men did not want her to even remember the encounter. Betty insisted that no matter what they did to her memory, she would one day recall the events. She and Barney were taken to their car, where the leader suggested that they wait to watch the craft's departure. They did so, and then resumed to drive. Now that's pretty intense. So, later on, um, both of the Barneys were hypnotized and they were, um, their recollections were taken down. Um, so the guy that um, hypnotized them, his name was Simon, um, he hypnotized Barney first. His recall of witnesses um, witnessing these non-human figures was quite emotional, punctuated uh, with expressions of fear, emotional outbursts, and just fear, you know, in general. Barney said that due to his fear, he kept his eyes closed for much of the abduction and physical examination. So under the hypnosis, Barney reported that the binocular strap had broken when he ran from the UFO back to his car. He recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but that afterwards he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods. He eventually sighted six men standing in the dirt road. The car stalled, and the three of the men approached the car. They told Barney to not fear them. He was still anxious, however. He reported that the leader told Barney to close his eyes. While hypnotized, Barney said, I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes. Wow. Okay, we're going to move on to while Betty was under hypnosis. So, under hypnosis, Betty's account was similar to the events of her dreams about the UFO abduction, but there were also notable differences, mainly pertaining to her capture and release. The technology of the craft was different. The short men had significantly different physical appearance from that of her dreams. The sequential order of the abduction event was also different from Betty's dream account that she could remember herself. Barney's and Betty's memories in this hypnotic state were consistent with one another, but contradicted some of the information in Betty's dreams. Betty exhibited um, a lot of emotional distress. I imagine there was a lot of PTSD involved too within her capture and her examination. Simon ended one session early because tears were flowing down her cheeks and she appeared distressed. Simon gave Betty the post-hypnotic suggestion that she could sketch a copy of the star map. 
that she later described as a three-dimensional projection, similar to what we know now as a hologram. Eventually, she did what Simon suggested. Although she said the map had many stars, she drew only those that stood out in her memory. Her map consisted of 12 prominent stars connected by lines and three lesser ones that formed a distinctive triangle. She was said that the stars connected by solid lines forming trade routes, whereas uh, dashed lines were two less traveled stars. Now these are all pretty intense. I mean, I can only imagine what both of them felt. And this was clear back in 1960. Was it 1962? 1961. But can you imagine? Can you imagine looking out into the sky? First seeing one. I mean, I know that I am 99% sure that I have seen a UFO. And I'm going to share that experience with all of you in another episode. For tonight, I just wanted to focus on Betty and Barney. But to see beings, to remember that they spoke to you in English. How would that make you feel? How does that make you feel? There's so much more that I want to read. There's so much more that I want to go over. I suggest any of you um, look up the Barney and Betty Hill story, the abduction story, and you can look at pictures of the map that she helped them put together. And it is intense, but all of the stars um, are named, are their actual star names, so... Um, I wouldn't be able to draw a proper picture for you in your mind, but it almost looks like three of the stars from the Big Dipper. The part of the handle as it comes down to the cup and then moves down. But then there are multiple other ones, and it shows where the trade routes were established and where their standard travel routes were. Man. This is going to give all of us a lot more to think about. Again, this was the Barney and Betty Hill abduction story. This has been your host, Ben, with Lost Souls, coming to you with this new program, CUP Tales, Cryptids, UFOs, and Poltergeists. We share true stories and local stories and we bring them to light so that other people can hear their stories too. Let's not ever let anyone forget Barney and Betty Hill. Thank you all for listening and have a great night. And remember, there's no normal like the paranormal. 
guests on CUP Tales do not necessarily reflect those of the Lost Souls or the Vibes Broadcast Network. This is the 